Okay, we're in Kings chapter 12. We're opening this time. We saw in the end of chapter 11 that Solomon passes away and his son Rechavam reigns in his place. So we open up chapter 12, verse 1. And Rechavam went to Shechem. For all of Israel came to Shechem to make him king. So we have to ask two questions here. One, why would Rechavam have to be made king or crowned or anointed if the Allah says that a son who succeeds his father as king doesn't have to be anointed unless there's some kind of dispute like there was with uh, Solomon and Adanyahu they anointed Solomon, but the son of a king regularly doesn't have to be anointed. Um, the other question is, why would Rechavam go to Shechem, which is the home turf of the ten tribes? Why would he leave the friendly confines and the glory of his kingdom in Jerusalem to go down to Shechem, in the heart of Samaria? So, first you have to understand that Shechem is a, is a very, very important city, especially to the ten tribes. Shechem has tremendous biblical uh, significance, religious, historical significance. Shechem was the first city that uh, Abraham walked through. You know, when, when Hashem told that Abraham to go and leave your father's home and go to the land I shall show you, to Eretz Canaan, the first city Abraham walks around is Shechem. And the biblical Yosef was buried in Shechem. So Shechem has important significance. Even before Jerusalem came around, or Jerusalem is even mentioned in, in the Bible, we have the city of Shechem, the ancient city. And it's very likely that the rest of the tribes feel, uh, felt shunned, or um, they felt that they were deprived because Shechem was kind of put to the side, and Jerusalem became the major the major city, the, the major spiritual center of the Jewish people. And we have an interesting um, an interesting psalm. If you look at Psalm 78, uh, verses 67, 68, King David here, he, ki- he gives a sweep of Jewish history in this very, very long psalm, uh, from the Chumash through Joshua and Judges. And in this sweep of history, when he gets uh, kind of towards the end, in verse 67, he says the following, and Hashem despised or he rejected the tent of Yosef and the tribe of Ephraim he did not choose and he chose the tribe of Yehuda the Mount of Zion which he loves so here King David is talking about how Hashem rejected the area of Ephraim and the ten tribes, and he chose the tribe of Judah and Jerusalem. And it's very likely that the tribes feel insulted by this, and they want to restore the importance of Shechem. And that's exactly what Yeravam ben Nevat, the future leader of the ten tribes, will do. He will make Shechem and build up Shechem as the capital city, as the spiritual center uh, for the for the. Uh, Try for the kingdom of Israel. So, now, Rechavam, he goes to Shechem. Now, he thinks they're coming to make him king. That's what the verse says. Lamlichoto. They're coming to crown him. He doesn't know that 
that they're not coming to honor him by having him come there, but they're going to confront him and, and try to make him accept some new realities. And they're coming here to ambush Rechavam, actually. But Rechavam goes to Shechem. Now, he doesn't necessarily know that Yeravam ben Avat has been anointed as the new king of Israel. He probably doesn't, as the verses later on will bear out. And the people might not know it as well, but they certainly see Yeravam as their leader. And Yeravam is from Ephraim, which is the biblical portion of Shechem, Ephraim. Their biblical portion is Shechem. That's where Joseph is buried, as we mentioned. He's from the tribe of Joseph, which is Ephraim. So that's where Rechavam goes. Now it says in verse 2, Vayhi kishmor Yeravam ben Nevat. And when Yeravam ben Nevat heard this, he went, and he was in Egypt. Shabarach b'vnei Shlomo HaMelech. He had fled King Solomon. Vayshev Yeravam ben Nevatrayim. So he's been sitting in Egypt up to now, in this self-imposed exile, after he had chastised the king back in the last chapter. And it says in verse 3, Vayishluchu v'yikrulo. And they summoned Yeruvam, they called for him. Who called for him? Probably the elders of the ten tribes, the important rabbis in, in, of, the, of the tribes. And Yeruvam now has arrived. He has left Egypt now. He didn't even have to ask for any chanina uh, or a special pardon from Egypt. He just leaves at the appropriate time. Him and all the congregation of Israel so we see how he's leading them. It says, Yeruvam v'cholkal Yisrael, Yeruvam and all of Israel, ve'yedabru el rechavam le'mor. And they spoke to Yeruvam. Now, sorry, they spoke uh, to Rechavam. The confrontation now between Yeruvam and the congregation of Israel with Rechavam. So this is all happening in Shechem. And the Radak uh, brings a very important chazal here. Uh, when he gives his commentary of Yeruvam coming to Shechem, and he says the following, the, the Radak, that it says in the Midrash, Shechem mezuman lepuranut, that Shechem is a city of, of um, is a city with a lot of problems. A lot of bad things happened in Shechem. B'Shechem inuet Dina, that it was in Shechem that Dina, the daughter of Yaakov, was raped. B'Shechem machruat Yosef, and in Shechem, they sold Yosef. And in Shechem, Nachlaku Malchut Beit David. And in Shechem, the kingdom of David was split. So we see Shechem as a history of being a volatile city, a problematic city, where it's certainly very, very holy, but some bad things happen there. And that split we're talking about in the kingdom of David is about to happen now. And, um, you know, even today, Shechem is one of those places that even though we conquered uh, the West Bank in 67 and we, uh, in the Six-Day War, we, it fell into our hands, Shechem and Hebron, Shechem is still very problematic till today. We, you don't really see Jewish settlement you know, in Shechem, like you see even in Hebron and all the other cities, but it remains a hotbed of terror and a volatile city to this day. And that's now where this confrontation takes place. So Yerovam has a contingent, him and his, he's leading the ten tribes against the Rechavam. Rechavam doesn't necessarily know what's about to hit him. And it says in verse 4, and here they make their claim, and they say the following to Rechavam, Avicha hekshet uleinu, v'ata ata kel me'avodat avicha, ha'kashe me'uleinu, ha'kaveresh anatan aleinu, v'na'avdecha 
So they say, your father, he made our yoke difficult. That means, hekshet uleinu, ol is a yoke. It's kind of the yoke you put on an ox, which isn't a pleasant thing. And here they're talking about the yoke of taxing. That doesn't say taxation, but we obviously they're talking about olein, a yoke, a heavy yoke. They're talking about the taxation. And they ask him, well, to alleviate your father's difficult workload. They want Yerachavam to lighten up on the taxes that they've been hit with. Lighten up this heavy yoke you placed upon us. And if you do, they say, we will serve you. Well, we don't know how highly they were taxed and if there was a disproportionate taxing going on uh, that the ten tribes were taxed more heavily than Judah. We sort of hint to it maybe in Oshior in chapter 4 where we gave the tax system of King Solomon. In any case, they're complaining about a heavy yoke of taxes, maybe disproportionate to the rest to the, to the tribe of Judah. It's interesting that the Mitzudat David on this verse adds that they say, I'll read his, his perush. Because you're not really on the level of your father. Who they came to see from all over the globe. Kings and queens came to bask in the glory of Jerusalem. You don't have that in your kingdom. And therefore, you don't have Anshay Bayit. You don't need all those, all those workers to make all those fancy meals. And you got accustomed to that in tremendous lifestyle. You don't have the global scope of your father. And therefore, you can kind of diminish the budget a little bit, the, the kingly budget, and lighten up on the taxes. Okay, that's their, that's their um, claim. That's their bakasha. Uh, that's their request. So it says in verse 5, Vayomer Alehim, and he said to them, Lechu. So he says to them, he says to them, go away for three days and come back to me. So the people left. Now, he was obviously hit by surprise by this demand. He wasn't expecting a condition on which to rule. He was probably expecting to have some kind of nice ceremony to be crowned and suddenly gets hit with with this demand to lighten up on the people. So he says, go away for three days. Now, that's usually a very bad idea to say, well, let's wait, let's think about it for three days because it kind of lets the whole revolution fester, the whole rebellious atmosphere is now percolating even more, waiting three days, and it doesn't show uh, signs of leadership to say, listen, let me think about it. Now, obviously, like he wants to think it over. He's not sure what to do, and he doesn't want to make a rash decision, but by saying, come back, Three days certainly doesn't help him. It kind of shows a wishy-washiness. You know, a leader has to decide on the spot many times whether good or bad. He's got to make a decision and live with it. And Rechavam is green behind the ears and he tells him to wait for three days. So what does he do in these three days? He starts asking advice. And that's what we see in verse 5. Verse 5. Ve'yomer alehim. So... He says in verse 6, So the king now takes counsel, King Rechavam takes counsel, with the elders. Now when they say the elders, zaken means old, but we don't necessarily mean they're old in age, but they're wise. These are the 
elders who would stand before the face of King Solomon, his father, Biot Chai. When Solomon was alive, these were his, his elders, and obviously they have very good advice to give. If they were giving the wisest of men advice, he could certainly get some good advice from these skinim, from these wise men. And he asks them the following, How do you advise me to answer the people about this thing? So he poses the question and they say the following. Verse 7. And they spoke to him and they said, Hayom, today, Tia Evid. Today, if you become a servant to these people, and you serve them, and you answer them favorably, and you speak to them kind words, they will be for you servants all of the days. Forever they'll be your servants. So the simple understanding of their advice is they say, listen, today, be their slave. Do what they want. Win them over. Show Derek Eretz. Speak to them nicely. Make them feel wanted. And if you do that, they'll be yours forever. You'll, you bought them. So they're giving them an answer to have Darke Norm and Derek Eretz. Don't flex your muscles with them. Give them a good, um, a good feeling. And the Malbim, on, uh, when he uh, makes a comment on their advice, he picks up on the word Hayom. They open up the advice saying, Hayom Tia Evid. Today, be their servant. So what do you mean today? So the Malbim says the following. Don't wait three days. Do it today. Call them now, today. And explain to them, answer them, that you will serve them. Make it look like it's a simple matter for you. It's, make it sound spontaneous. The minute you wait three days, then the whole thing sounds very contrived, that you're thinking it over, and it doesn't sound real, that it's coming from the heart. So, Hayom, answer them now, because this three-day thing is a disaster. It makes the thing sound um, very contrived, and there's an importance of spontaneity for a leader to come and show that you really mean it. So that's why they also say, today, act on it quickly. But it says in verse 8, But he abandoned the advice of the skenim. And that sounds like kind of a zilzul, of their advice, a little cheapening or he, a scorning of their advice. He abandons, forsakes the counsel of the elders, who had advised him. And he takes counsel with the Yeladim. So now he's going to get advice from the children. Yeladim means children, but we're not talking about toddlers here. We're talking about people more his age with young men. These are people that grew up with him who now minister before him. So he has these other advisors, people he grew up with, and they call him Yiladim also, probably because the, probably due to the fact that the advice they give him is kind of uh, childish. So they're called Yiladim, and the fact that they minister before him means that he, might, he may have fired the elders who had advised his father Solomon. So now he's going to ask them the question, pose them, the question of what kind of response he should give. So it says the following in verse 9, ma'atem no'atsim. What do you advise? V'nashiv davar et ha'am. 
so we can respond the people the, the word to the people who have spoken to me saying alleviate the yoke that your father has placed upon us he comes now so verse 9 he poses the problem to the younger men these young men and there's a big difference how he poses the question to them as the way he posed it to the elders. Here he says, Ma'atem no'atzim. What do you advise? With the elders, he said, Echatem no'atzim. How do you advise it? In other words, with the elders, he was more asking of how to, what kind of style should I answer them in? Should I be nice? Should I be tough? But here he says, Ma'atem no'atzim. What do you advise? Here he's asking for advice in content. What should I do specifically? Not how should I do it. So that's one difference. And the other difference is the nashiv devarataam. And so that we can respond to the people. Now we can respond includes these advisors. He's including these men with him in the decision, kind of making part of the government. And they're like a partners in this whole thing. That's something he did not do with the elders. And it's also said, et am hazeh. If you know Hebrew, when you, sometimes when you say ha'amazeh or ben adamazeh, azoti, this, this is a kind of way of brushing them off. It's kind of like a zilzul, kind of a cheapening of them by saying ha'amazeh, this people. And what should we do? That's what he's asking him. So it says in verse 10, they give their answer to him and they say the following, ve'edebru alav, and they spoke to him, the children, asher gadluito, those that grew up with him, the young men who grew up with him, and they spoke to him. Now, they mentioned twice that they grew up with him. And that's to show that they know him. They know his character. They know where he's coming from. And they kind of can tell what he wants to hear. And so they say the following. This is what you should say to the people. Who had spoke to you saying, that your father made our yoke heavy. Please alleviate our yoke. And this is what you should say to them. So that means, in, he, in English, it's kind of a shocking expression, kind of a vulgar one. It says, my little pinky is thicker than your father's. So my little pinky is even thicker than my father's loins or my father's waist in other words if you think my father was 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 harsh and tough well i'm going to be much tougher than he was my pinky is thicker than my father's waist is and they continue with their advice in verse 11 and they say that while my father saddled with a heavy yoke I will add to your yoke. My father, he chastised you with sticks or whips. Well, I will afflict you with scorpions or with whips that have sharp prongs on them. So that's all this a way of saying that if you thought my father made it difficult, I'm going to be much tougher. Now, what's the logic of this advice? Obviously, it's not good advice. It's exactly the opposite of what the elders advised him. But the logic of it, according to the Ho'il Moshe, 
Oh, Il Moshe is a commentator. And he says that they were, they were trying to explain, they were giving this advice because the feeling was that if Rechavam gives in or acquiesces to the Am at the beginning of his reign, well, the, the rest of the Am will think that, well, gee, he's weak. We can keep pushing him into more uh, more demands. We can give more and more demands and that will make Rechavam look weak and therefore he'll be backing up until he has nothing left to give and therefore he has to start out showing that he can't be pushed around. That was the logic in their advice. Obviously it didn't work. And the Abarbanel has another interesting idea about this whole, this whole response that was given here. And they, he says the following. He says that when they spoke about King, when they spoke about King Solomon at the beginning, that he, as if he wasn't a good king, and they should have said right away, the answer should have been of Rechavam, How dare you speak that way? God forbid you should speak that way about Solomon, Hashem's anointed, who, who honored Hashem with his wealth, and he was like a father to you. And he brought you peace, shalva v'sheket b'shanim, years of peace and tranquility, and a fabulous kingdom, who filled your treasuries with silver and gold, who did who did great chesed for you. So the Abarbanel explains that the whole premise of the of the children of Israel, their premise, the, the entire premise of their demand was wrong because they're they're assuming that. Solomon wasn't an effective king. Okay, he taxed them heavy, but in the big picture, Solomon was a fantastic king. And why accept that premise in the first place? They sh- it should have been responded to that, how dare you speak to, about King Solomon that way. In any case, we're going to see in our next year what Rechavam does with that advice. Now, we have to remember, Yeravam ben Avat has been anointed by Yechia Shiloni to be the next king of the ten tribes. That's already almost a decree. We saw that in the last chapter. And it could be that the ten tribes know it. And therefore they're coming with a lot of confidence. So we'll now see what happens in the confrontation when Rechavam turns to Yerovam and the Am with his answer.